If you think you felt a great disturbance in the force, you're not wrong. Ed Gross and me, Mark A. Altman, have a new oral history coming out this July from St. Martin's Press. It's Secrets of the Force, the complete, uncensored, unauthorized oral history of the Star Wars saga. So wherever you buy books, audio and video, pick it up today, pre-order, and you can learn the secrets of the Force. And don't miss our oral history of Star Trek in stores now. And of course, nobody does it better. The complete oral history of James Bond in digital, hardcover, paperback, and audio. That is all. If you're a fan of the 430 movie, you'll love Best Movies Never Made, hosted by myself, Josh Miller. And Steven Scarlatta. Where we explore some of the greatest movies never made, like E.T. 2. Johnny Quest. Beetlejuice Goes Hawaiian. And Halloween 3D. New episodes available every other Monday, wherever you listen to podcasts. If you like Inglorious Trexperts, you're going to love our new Trexperts briefing room, where Darren and myself curate classic episodes of Star Trek with special guests from various Star Trek series talking about the episodes you love. I think that sounds great. Let's. Well, I can't let's, wait to do it. Let's go see. What episodes are we doing, Darren? Well, I, we don't want to give it away. Okay. Well, then you need to watch Trexperts Briefing Room wherever you listen to Inglorious Trexperts and on the new Trexperts Briefing Room podcast feed. Don't miss it. Coming intermittently <laughs> in the coming weeks. Trexperts Briefing Room. It's what every real Trexpert needs. astounding time is fleeting madness takes its toll but listen closely not for very much longer I've got to keep control jump to the left. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman, and this is the 430 Movie, and welcome to Cult Movie Week. Cult Movie Week, the thing that Ashley's dreams are made of. This is the one. It's, here we are. We're talking cult movies, baby. And who better than Mr. Wednesday, Ashley Miller. I'm, uh, I'm just very excited to be a part of, uh, of Wednesday Week. Yeah, <laughs> we might as well call it Wednesday week. Indeed, the, the, the Ash Wednesday is on, and of course, I'm here with our other 4:30 movie host on Monday. It's Steve Melching. Kalima, Kalima. Oh, wrong cult. <laughs> That's funny. That Zetner Hockey's a really small guy, and then uh, on Tuesday, it's Darren Dockerman. Dude, it's a midnight showing. We gotta go. We could get totally baked. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> and uh, as aforementioned before, Wednesday, Ashley Miller. Firewoman, you're to blame. Oh, wait, that's <laughs> the cult. That's a band. I got the sorry. <laughs> I, I, I can't even say she sells sanctuary now. Uh, okay, uh, on Thursday, it's Mark Altman. Mark A. Altman. Mark A. Altman. So, uh, welcome to Cult Movie Week. You know, cult movies, how do we define cult movies, Steve? Well, it's a, it's a, I was thinking about this. It's a broad category. When, when I think of a cult movie, I tend to think of a movie that's kind of ahead of its time that didn't really find a broad audience when it came out, right. but uh, has since developed a passionate following. Uh, often the movies are good. They're ahead of their time because they're just they're just out there. They're just they're very different or they're they're really good. But sometimes they're those movies that are like a big swing and a big miss that are like so bad it's good that you just have a good time watching them with a group of people. Like Megaforce? Um, yeah, sure. We'll find out, won't we? So, uh, <laughs> on, um, you know, when we were growing up, the big cult movie that everyone, you know, was interested in, was talking about was, of course, Rocky Horror Picture Show, which is a 20th Century Fox movie that, you know, sort of bombed. And then found new life in in at, mid, at midnight shows across America, but nowhere more famously than the Waverly Theater in Manhattan, where people would go and throw rice at the screen and you know basically sing the songs. And it was uh, it was kind of like the original, you know, sort of cult classic, and it played for years and years and years. I think people might argue with you about the the hub of that excitement being the new art in Los Angeles. <laughs> oh no! It was Greenwich Village. That was that was the that uh -huh. was the, the the center of the action. I think it. I think it depends on wow. who you ask. <laughs> Just like <laughs> real cults, we have uh, internecine <laughs> warfare over what's the most righteous and holy. There's no, there's, okay. a, there's a movie no on. I think it's net Netflix uh, called Midnight Midnight Movies or something like that. Uh -huh. It's the history of the Midnight Movie, and they cover Rocky Horror. and And I think Mark is right. I think it was. I think the the phenom started in New York, but it very quickly. Hap started in L.A. as well. well that's not surprisingly, not surprisingly, Mark also thinks he's right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, I, I don't know if it was a big, uh, big hit in Oahu. And would you say that in the 90s, the big midnight film became the big Lebowski? Is it fair to say or in this in the aughts that the Lebowski has sort of become the, the midnight movie? Hmm. I don't know if it's. Well, I don't know if it's a midnight movie. It's definitely a cult movie because it got its following after video release. Yeah. 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 yeah totally. So yeah. what? What do you? What do you? What do you think is? The, is there a new Rocky Horror? Or, or, or not really. Well, there was. Uh, I, it might be somebody's pick, though. So I'm, I, I'm yeah, loath yeah, to say what it is. Careful about okay. this. But I think there was one that burst onto the scene. I don't know, five or eight years ago, that became the new cult phenomenon. I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I, I, I think there's there's probably like a couple of them. Um, one mm. of which I am fairly certain if uh, our esteemed friend uh, Robert Meyer Burnett were uh, on this podcast, I'm sure I know what he would pick. I live and die uh, in LA? Uh, <laughs> no. No, 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 no. When you, uh, I, it, well, if it comes up. We'll talk I'll, about I'll it when we, yeah, exactly. when we make our I, I would just, just add to this that I, I don't know that a, a cult movie has to have um, an enormous fan following. 
I think that it just needs to have a very passionate yeah. fan base that truly believes in it, even if like it flies under the radar of everybody else. And I think there are I cult think, movies that everybody knows about, but aren't necessarily fans of. I think of if fans um, constantly mention it, constantly quote from it, constantly uh, hang around with people that like it too, it's a cult movie. Yes. And I, and I think a cult movie doesn't necessarily have to be a midnight movie. You know, I think there yeah. might be a little bit of a difference. I think probably most midnight movies, probably all midnight movies are cult movies, but not all mm -hmm. cult movies are midnight movies, maybe. If Correct. That makes, sense. that makes perfect sense. What was your favorite midnight movie that you've seen, Steve? Oh, gosh. Well, don't, I, I don't, don't say it because yeah. we got to pick them. This a week? <laughs> yeah, we got we to no, no, no. mention I, our I, picks. I, if we say our well, favorites, no, then I'm going to... I'm going to pick, I'm going to pick, I'm going to say, say a movie but, that was my favorite midnight movie but, but, that, yeah, that but, was already on the show, which is oh, not really okay. a cult movie. All and of right. course, I'm okay. talking about uh, uh, that famous midnight show of Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, right. and in many ways inspired <laughs> the movie Free Enterprise, another great cult movie. But, um, but I, you know, I, I, that night that we all went and, and um, uh, several people were extremely inebriated and almost got kicked out of the theater. <laughs> um, for you know, uh, because and they were, and I remember because there were some people who hadn't seen the movie who were quite irate. I think it was at Mojo and Rob, who who were um, you know borderline obnoxious that night, and um, and 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 they were ruining the movie for everyone. Uh, but you know, for us, it was quite entertaining because, of course, when you've seen Star Trek to the Wrath of Khan. 500 times conservatively it's hard to ruin it you when, know? You've, when you've lived and loved like frank has <laughs> you, know where, you know where things are yeah yeah that that is very 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 true but that was that was a sort of seminal screening that was actually in westwood but in the movie it's the hollywood galaxy and they do get kicked out but um in reality that screening was in at the steve you were with us weren't you i think so yeah yeah, and I think Darren, Darren, you might have been with us as well. I think I was. I can't remember that far back. It was honestly. a long time ago, but it was Westwood, and uh, that was a that was a big screening, a midnight screening. My dream, however, is to do Star Trek Five as a midnight screening, and uh, and and to do a Rocky Horror version of it. To do so, a yeah, uh, live commentary and and bring props and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Well, Darren you know, just quoted a movie that I would say is a cult movie. But has crossed over back into the mainstream. Spinal yeah, that's Tap a good point. Yeah, was absolutely. not a success when it came out, and was kind of this underground cult movie for many years, and then it just suddenly burst out, and now it's something that everyone knows and loves. It's interesting though, because the cult movies of the sixties and seventies, you know, really became cult movies because they would play theatrically, largely at midnight, but in repertory. Right. You know, now because of home video, it's very different. Yeah. The funny thing is the, the, the cult movies of the 60s and 70s are kind of crappy. And that's why they were cult movies, because they, they, they made an audience uh, on the fringe, right? But I think that, the, that a lot of the cult movies that happened later in the, in the uh, 80s and 90s and, and, and later um, were just overlooked because of the machine that is Hollywood not being able to promote them. You know, and not so, being able to get the audience in first run. Presumably, you are not going to pick Beyond the Valley of the Dolls then? I don't know why you would assume that. Well, you just said that the, the cult movies of the 60s uh, and 70s aren't very good, which, of course, you I'm know, I'm not Roger picking Eber these wrote. because they're good. 
<laughs> okay, well, I'm very curious to find out uh, what your cult movie picks are. So, uh, as always, uh, you know, on our fantasy theme week, we start on Monday with uh, Steve Melching picking his cult movie. Yeah, well, I, was- I, I started making a list of, uh, of my favorite cult movies. Of course you did. And then I started cross-checking it against the movies we've already selected on the 430 movie. And mm. as Mark pointed out, Ashley has already picked about 10 of them. Uh-huh. And I've picked a couple <laughs> of them myself. So that really narrow, started to narrow my list down. But um, so I guess I'm, that means I'm a, I'm a cultist like Ashley. I'm in, I'm in the cult with Ashley. But so anyway. I, it's, uh, it's appropriate that I'm Mr. Monday this week because someone's got a case of the Mondays. Damn you to hell. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong movie. I'm going to burn this podcast down. I'm going to light it on fire. I, I think I just, uh, yeah, I'm going to have to go ahead and pick Darren's movie. Yeah. Uh, of course, uh, I'm talking about Office Space. From Mike Judge, creator of Beavis and Butthead and co-creator of King of the Hill, comes a movie about people who go to work. (laughs) Who are part of a team. And remember, next Friday is Hawaiian Shirt Day. Okay, but I could set the building on fire. Who respect their boss. We need to talk about your flair. Well, I have 15... 15 pieces on. 15 is the minimum. Brian, for example, has 37 pieces of flair on today. <laughs> and a terrific smile. And need to escape. I don't like my job, and I don't think I'm going to go anymore. One of these days, I, I, I just I just get this piece of... I'm thinking now it might be more fun to just get fired. And I've always wondered what that would take. Oh, Peter, listen. Uh... Well, it looks like you've been missing quite a bit of work lately. Well, I wouldn't say I've been missing it, Bob. (laughs) (laughs) That's just a straight shooter with upper management written all over him. We're going to be getting rid of these people here. Mr. Samir. Okay, okay. Not going to work here anymore anyway. (laughs) (laughs) You haven't been showing up and you got to keep your job. Actually, I'm being promoted. Thank you, Bob. This is a... It suck! They're gonna throw you out on the street so that Bill Lumberg's stock will go up. Ooh. It's completely unfair. Inatech deserves to go down. We're just the guys to do it. Tell me about that virus you're always talking about. The one that could rip off the company for a bunch of money. I'm not going to do anything illegal, Peter. Illegal? Samir, this is America. The worst they're going to do is they put you in a white-collar minimum security resort for a couple of months. You know they have conjugal visits there? I might be showing her my O face. Oh, oh. They let you have sex with women? They sure do. Okay, I'll do it. Office space. I know you've been getting pretty depressed about your job and everything, and so I just wanted to tell you good things can happen in this world. I mean, look at me. (laughs) Oh, oh, oh. the 1999 uh, film uh, written and directed by Mike Judge. Uh, Mike Judge, of course, is someone who had tremendous uh, success and and cultural impact on television with uh, things like Beavis and Butthead and King of the Hill and more recently Silicon Valley. 
um, but never really had any success in the in the movie world. Although right. he made a few movies, and uh, I'd say they're probably all cult movies. <laughs> um, so my my pick was his. I think it's his was his first movie, Office Space, which. Mm-hmm. Um, was inspired by, or it was an outgrowth of his Milton shorts, uh, his animated shorts with right. Stephen Root uh, playing the uh, the sort of mumble-mouthed, uh, weirdly psychotic uh, office worker um, that was originally made for Liquid Television and then ended that up got on him Saturday the job. Night Live. It got him the job mm-hmm. of Beavis and Butthead. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not exactly up on my Milton. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think well, there are that many of them, are there? This is definitely a case of ruling in hell rather than yeah. serving in heaven. Serving in heaven. <laughs> so Office Space, you know, it's a movie uh, starred Ron Livingston as the, the main character and Jennifer Aniston, who was their attempt to cast a, a bankable star in the movie, uh, although she didn't have a big enough role to, to include her on the poster. Right. Uh, and uh, also had Stephen Root uh, reprising his role as Milton, uh, Gary Cole playing the boss, who's friggin' hilarious, uh, Diedrich Bader as his kind of uh, stoner neighbor. Uh, and you've got uh, John C. McGinley as yeah. one of the, one of the uh, office officials, one of the Bobs. Bobs. Uh, AJ Naidu as uh, yeah. one of his co and uh, and David uh, Herman as his, uh, as his two co workers. And, um, of course, you know, this movie followed uh, the main character through uh, a, a period uh, in the office where they're going to be doing some some downsizing and, and he's always getting called in by the boss to work on weekends and he's just, you know, a, a, an office zombie uh, and in a he agrees to accompany his girlfriend to get some uh, hypnotherapy and uh, his hypnotherapist dies in the middle of his hyp- hypnotic treatment. So a he's never brought hypnotism out. hypnotism accident. <laughs> yes. so he never emerges from his hyp- hypnosis. And so he returns to work as this totally changed guy who is super laid back and is just speaking the truth to everyone. And, of course, that upends any- everything. And uh, it's just a really great uh, comedy about, uh, about office uh, office life. Uh, it predates the American office. I am the British, the UK office too, actually. I think it predated both of those. Um, and uh, it's a movie that uh, was a, a box office failure. It only grossed about in the US about as much as it cost to make. Yeah. Uh, and uh, was not. Imagine how much money it could have made if they had just taken all the rounding errors off the ticket sales. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's the great thing. Like the the whole scheme in the center of this movie is they're taking the Superman three uh, plot of like taking of like putting all the fractions of cents and various transactions into a separate account and keeping them. I it's just it's just ridiculous and and hilarious. Um, so so the movie eventually found its core audience through a bunch of uh, a, a, a two year airing on uh, Comedy Central. They aired it like three dozen times on yeah. Comedy Central. And it was that repetition, I think, that made it ultimately find it's a, a wider audience. And then it had a, a DVD release that was very, and VHS release that was very successful uh, and is now, uh, has a very, a very uh, robust uh, fan following. It's incredibly quotable uh, and incredibly relatable. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I love this movie from Go. Man, like I actually went to see this. Um, I oh, was, it was a good cult movie. 
It's a totally a good Cult movie. Doug, Doug um, Lyman. Go. Was it? Go. No. Um, oh, wow. just, uh, <laughs> I actually fell in love with this movie when it first came out. I was I was working then uh, for the, the Navy as a government contractor, and uh, my my buddy and I like had some time to kill because we were waiting for, for our model to crunch out some numbers and said, screw it, let's go to the movies. We went to see this. It killed us. It spoke to us. It just felt... Um, so real, so gritty and naturalistic. It's like, I see you've uh, been missing a lot of work. I can't say I've been missing it, Bob. I mean, there's just <laughs> something. And the scene where they take the printer out into the field and beat the unholy shit out of it yeah. is just where it's, you know, damn, it feels good to be a gangster. Is like, it's, it's, oh, it's a mafia hit. Sublime. It's a yeah, mafia it's, hit. It's so it's, great. It's totally an amazing movie, um, and it's it's one of my all-time favorites, and I can't believe I haven't picked it before. It was going to be a, uh, back when I was uh, doing these things, it was going to be a not coming soon. Uh, it was going to be Office Space 1999. <laughs> 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 and it's a better idea than I think it would have been if I'd actually done it. Uh, but uh, I've always found that funny, and I found, I tried to find a way to do that logo, never cracked it, but... It's. I still enjoy that idea. The post-it <laughs> notes all over Commander Koenig. Yeah. <laughs> but you look very vexed. This was going to be your pick, huh, Darren? It was one of my picks. Okay. Oh, and by the way, those picks. Space 1999 uh, blasters do look a lot like a swingline stapler. A stapler. They do. A stapler. Not a, stapler. Not a red stapler. <laughs> Speaking of which, Darren, have you got Don't your call move my yet? module. I don't want to move my module to the back uh, of the No, I haven't yet. either. An interesting story from, from Office Space. Um, Apparently, Swingline didn't actually make a red stapler. This was something that they just sort of did on set, and uh, the prop department made this after the movie, and after the movie gained cult status. Um, they got so many requests for red staplers <laughs> after people couldn't find them in stores that they started making red staplers. Huh. See, here I thought you were going to tell us that uh, they got notes from Gene Roddenberry who said that uh, he'd <laughs> spoken to many stapler experts and um, fans of staplers who had pointed out that there were no red swing line staplers and that they would be quite disappointed if uh, perhaps there was a request for a red swing line stapler in office space. It was a month ago. From. You're still defending Hart Bennett from Gene's notes no. a month later. I know what's wrong with me. What's what's happening to me? God? With you. Apparently, apparently, people would bring their red swing line staplers for staplers for Stephen Root to sign. Which I didn't. I never thought to do that. I've worked with Stephen on several shows, and like God, I, I need to get one of those staplers and bring it in. When is Barry coming back? Speaking of Stephen yeah. Root. Oh yeah. I, I Soon, love Barry. right. I would think. I mean, Ted yeah. Lasso's back this month. You know what we do in the shadows is back in September. Where the hell is Barry? I don't know. Where? I can't wait for it. It's got my got my boy JB Blank coming yeah. in as the bad guy. That guy is so good, man. That's so oh, good. Oh, Hank. Bring it. Let's see it. Come on, Barry. Okay. Well, there we you go. Get him. Ooh, yeah. On the barroom. Yeah. When Barry comes out, it'll be awesome. Anyway, sorry. All right. Plan your other <laughs> podcast somewhere else. Don't cross I the stream. Had to make it in Glorious Trexpert's comment. So there you go. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm spreading well, the love. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Um, I've never seen the movie, so I can't comment. Really? I've never seen Office Space. No, I've never seen wow. it. Wow. Oh, my God. Take it's a look on, at it. Uh, I think you'll enjoy it. It's on Amazon Prime. Yeah. It will bring you joy. I'll splurge for the Blu ray. It's okay. 
But uh, <laughs> but I would. Is there I a Blu-ray? I'm not sure. Is there? Is there not? There must be. There must be. 4K HD. <laughs> oh no! But um, but uh, but okay. I, I mean, look. I mean, obviously, this is another uh, film. After hearing you gentlemen talk about its virtues, I I'm curious to see it. So it's very Mark, it's a cult film, man. You got to be yeah. in the know. It's a cult film. I got to be in the cult. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly right. Okay. So that brings us to Darren, who who's who, who has a little uh, one leg cut out from under him uh, by uh, by Steve here. But well, uh, for Tuesday, uh, it's uh, your pick for cult movie week. I think this is a this is a valid uh, entry as well. Um, back in uh, 1939. Uh, there was a, a boy. There was a radio broadcast of the War of the Worlds by H.G. Wells that uh, uh, Orson Welles put on on his Mercury Theater on the air, and he told the story of Martians landing in Grover's Mill, New Jersey. What if it wasn't just a hoax? What if it actually happened? That is the one of the premises behind. The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai Across the Eighth Dimension. He's a rocker. Doctor. Don't talk on that. You never know what it might be attached to. Inventor. Activate the sound barrier. Philosopher. No matter where you go, there you are. And the only hero. Buckaroo. 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 Curse are you, Banzai! Who can save us all? Evil. Launch thermal pod. Buckaroo Bonsai is pure nutty fun. Buckaroo, you forgot your thruster. What are you all on for what? The cult sci-fi classic. Run, run! In a dimension all its own. Real life Martians are landing in New Jersey. Holy Torito! We will fire a portable beam weapon. Vaporize the whole damn planet? We blow this today. Get him up. There ain't no tomorrow. Left, I said left. This is left. I mean my left. All left goes your right. Parker, the president's calling about is everything okay with the alien space club and planet 10, or should we just go ahead and destroy Russia? Tell him yes on one and no on two. The Adventures of Buckaroo Bonsai. Which was yes, destroy Russia or uh, number two? You suck. You suck. Just because Steve took your pick doesn't mean you need to go pick my pick. Uh, point of order. It was picked. It was, was it? Already when? Been picked. Tell Ashley me when. Alien Invasion Week. Oh, when was that? Really? Was that in the first yeah. season? I think yeah, that was the first season. I think that's long enough ago that no. uh, we can revisit it. No, we got to respect it. We, we got to respect the, uh, the Noid. No, go to hell. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, dude. It was respect. You got to go to number three. You got to go to number. I don't three. have a do number three, Mark. You got to go with number two. I don't pencil? have a number three. Okay, well, Look, I'm I always happy picks. to talk about Buckaroo Bonsai. Bonsai. because wherever you go, there you are. This is a. That's right. This is one of the Wait. most cultish movies ever made. It, it's almost as if it was intended to be that from day one. What's the watermelon for? I'll tell you later. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, Darren? Is, is someone out there crying in the dark? And is it you? <laughs> it's me. Yeah. yeah. Don't be mean. We don't need to be mean. <laughs> Sorry. Can't help it. <laughs> but, but were you going to pick it? I was going to pick it, but yeah, I didn't so, realize you've been so, before. You know, 
I was going to pick it. That so was here, my here you are, I was like, here you are I telling me I have to go to pick number three. Um, bite me. That's, well, no, that's what I, I say to that. I, but I can't pick it either. Crusher or the number two? <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, I think Look, we got to let Darren uh, pick this. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, Didn't Dean Devlin pick it for um, no. Alien Invasion Week? Wait, oh, yes. Did. No, did he? I forget. The I think what happened was I was cleverly supposed to pick Independence Day. Right. Uh, and I completely forgot that that was what I was supposed to pick. Right. It was like one of those one of those rare moments where it was all canned. It was all staged. It was all a lie. No, like, it, was, it, was, no it was. That's not true. Corn one of that, the four thirty movie. That, that, none of that is true. <laughs> not, not, none, of, none of that is true. <laughs> you, you, we, we, we assume we assume someone was going to pick. We don't stage Day. picks here. And and yeah, I, you know, unless it's the Enterprise and Starship SmackDown. No, no, we just assumed someone was going to pick Independence Day. It just happens. And then right. perhaps I misremember the facts, sir. No, it and, was and then, uh, Alien Invasion Week in 2018. Yeah, that's a that's uh, a long time ago. Uh, Darren picked the arrival. Mark turned Invasion yeah. of the Body Snatchers. Uh, Dean picked Attack the Block. And uh, Ashley picked Buckaroo Banzai. Hmm. And right, Sunday right. was our special presentation. Right. But I don't think we were going in order then. To say, like, no. We locked right. in different order. In fact, it, it, it was so we long vary ago the order show, every week. The format had not yet been established. So I think the... Yes, Jeffrey <laughs> Hunter was on Friday. Yeah, right. I mean, that's how long ago it was. I, th <laughs> <laughs> I think that the statute of limitations is completely... Uh, Eliminated in this case. So well, you would say that. Yes, <laughs> I, I would. And so would a view if I had any dip. If if, if we had let you go to Thursday and pick it. So there we go. Maybe Look, I'll pick it again. Maybe you will. Maybe I'll pick yeah. Buckaroo Banzai versus the World Crime League. Right. And really get it ahead of the curve. It's so cultish it hasn't even been made yet. <laughs> Director W. D. Rick Richter and Earl Mac Roush, the writer, um, combine their forces. They had, I believe they had met at USC Film School. Uh, Rick Richter had done a, at least uh, he had done a, a 480 film um, about apparently this American Indian shooting people with arrows and people were just showing up dead with arrows in their back. Uh, it was extremely odd and uh, a very, a very strange student film to be made. Um, How did that get past the committee? That's what I want to you know. know. Those were time. those were a different time, exactly. <laughs> um, and uh, the committee was much younger; they were only in their seventies. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, anyway, the, uh, this came out in 1984. Although I, I remember it coming out in 1985, I, I think I heard about it in 1985 because I sure didn't see it uh, first run in the theaters. Um, because it. Again, the studio had no idea how to market this. The, uh, the, the wonderful uh, uh, publicity people at Fox, though, they had an idea, and they had a very sort of subversive, uh, cultish like fan club that they, that they started, the uh, Blue Blazer regulars, um, that, that got sort of underground interest in the film going. Uh, but it didn't help. The movie didn't do well in theaters at all. Uh, but this is one of those that did get ex 
extensive uh, boost from home video. And uh, it, uh, it has gone through several uh, uh, special editions uh, on Blu-ray and uh, uh, DVD before it. Um, but it's, it's really fascinating. It is a, sort of a mix of so many genres. If you think about it, your head will spin. Uh, Peter Weller plays this sort of adventurer, doctor, brain surgeon, rock musician. Uh, he does it all, and apparently he does everything really well. Um, you know, he'll he'll be uh, he'll be cutting up some guy's brain in the morning and uh, uh, playing a gig in South Jersey uh, that same night. And it's uh, it's really very very odd. And he has a uh, a group of uh, helpers with him that he uh, travels with, the Hong Kong Cavaliers, and they're also his band. Uh, but each of them are very they have very specific talents of. Uh, uh, making things happen or helping things not to happen. Uh, so it's, it's a really, it's a great mixture of, uh, stuff going on. Um, the villain in the movie is, uh, uh played by John Lithgow, Lord John Warfen, who is a, uh, electroid from planet 10 by way of the eighth dimension, who, uh, took over the body of Dr. Emilio Lizardo who was partners with Buckaroo Banzai's father in developing what later became known as the oscillation overthruster, which is a device that lets people travel through matter and through dimensions. And uh, uh, there was an accident back in the 30s where Dr. Lizardo, uh, half of him visited the eighth dimension and was uh, inhabited by Lord Warfen. And uh, he, uh, you know, to human beings, he went crazy and was put in the mental asylum. Um, uh, but later, uh, the inhabitants of uh, Planet 10 uh, crashed into Grover's Mill and uh, they had to uh, find a way to escape. And it took that long for them to get together and uh, sort of amass their uh, capabilities and uh, Lord Warfen to take his uh, uh, ultimate uh, station as their leader. Um, Look, it's crazy, and the uh, but the character actors in it are so good, even if they're covered in latex. Uh, you know, we have uh, Ellen Barkin who plays Penny Pretty, who looks exactly like uh, Buckaroo Banzai's old uh, girlfriend. For some not reason, covered in latex, but I'm sure <laughs> yeah, she's not <laughs> covered in latex. But you know, uh -huh, uh -huh. there have been other movies. Um, Jeff Goldblum. Uh, who is in this movie somehow, and it's really not explained what he does. He uh, He's called New Jersey, but he dresses like a cowboy. <laughs> um, it's, there's a lot that is unexplained. We have uh, Christopher Lloyd, who plays John Big Boutet. All of the Lectroids from Planet 10 ha have the first name John. And they, John have, very, <laughs> they have very strange <laughs> last names. Uh, <laughs> This is one way to recognize a Lectroid if you see them uh, listed. Um, look, it's so much fun. Uh, even uh, Ronald Lacey, who was Tote in Raiders of the Lost Ark, plays the president, President uh, Widmark, uh, probably named after Richard Widmark. Uh, but he's in a he's an attraction uh, ring for the entire movie. He's he's uh, incapacitated, and it's ludicrous, but it's so funny. Um, Anyway, uh, Vincent Schiavelli is in it. He's uh, John O'Connor. He's another Electroid, and uh, he's sucking on a battery 
at, at one point uh, for uh, for sustenance. It's crazy. The uh, the uh, the visual effects are really good for the time. Certainly, uh, Greg Jean built a lot of the uh, alien pods and uh, spaceships, and they're really fascinating designs. Never seen anything like them uh, before or since. Um, and it's just it's a really fun movie. And uh, I don't know if we would want to see a sequel because I don't think that they could keep up the same sort of energy. Or uh, or wackiness, maybe, but who knows? But uh, what you mean, we? Yeah, that's right. I mean, you're probably right. I mean, who knows? It's probably not sustainable. That said, um, I mean, I think it depends on also who would be making it and when. Like, I think you know, had like W. D. Richter been able to make that movie um, at the time and kind of like a couple of years later. Yeah, I think it would have worked. That guy is awesome. Uh, I like to say he was Joss Whedon before Joss Whedon was cool, and then Joss Whedon was not cool at all. Um, right. And, and uh, you know, look, he W.D. Richter wrote Big Trouble in Little China, um, which is really all I need to know. Uh, and, and, the always, and the Invasion of the Body Snatchers remake, which is brilliant. I didn't even realize that, but realize that's amazing. Um, but, yeah, I mean, even, uh, like, Jack Burton was uh, was supposed to be connected to uh, to Buckaroo Banzai, there was a whole thing about like he was going to you know be uh, have a cameo in uh, in Buckaroo Banzai versus the World Crime League, and there's like always been talk about that. So I just I love like the idea of a Richterverse, uh, which I, I yeah. find just the idea of that incredibly entertaining. The Richter scale. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, I will say the the one of those there's you know deleted scenes. I don't know that those deleted scenes are all that great. I think they slow down the movie. I think very often we find that. Scenes that are deleted are deleted for a freaking reason. No, I, I think the, uh, the 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 cut uh, beginning, the cut teaser is good, where, where he's where he's testing the, the 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 you know the Batmobile or whatever the hell the thing is. I, I like that scene. I miss that from the opening. Mm. Um, you know, I will say this. You know, uh, fans of this podcast remember that I was gushing it, along with Darren about how great the uh, Quentin Tarantino novelization of Once Upon a Time in America is. And I said, "Once upon a time in Hollywood." And uh, although I want to see, I want to read this novelization of Once Upon a Time in America. That, that, that'd be pretty funny. And I compared it favorably to Gene Roddenberry's novelization of Star Trek: The Motion Picture, which I cited as one of the great novelizations by a filmmaker, you know, that expanded upon the universe. But there's another one, which is Earl McRoush's adaptation of his own script for Buckaroo Banzai, which is one of the most fabulous novelizations because all the stuff that could cut out and this whole universe that he created uh, in his script for Buckaroo is in the novelization. And the novelization is phenomenal for Buckaroo Bonsai. Maybe I should read it. Oh yeah. It's yeah. Great. Novelization it week. We should, but I mean, that's a movie that really enriches did. the universe. And uh, I, yeah, I mean, it would be once a time in Hollywood, Star Trek, the motion picture, Buckaroo Bonsai. Those are three great novelizations. Um and and you know pick two more and the Godfather, and <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> the Terminator and, and the Bible, <laughs> the Bible, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but um, but yeah, Bunker Bonds, a great pick, fabulous yeah. movie, I, fabulous I love cult this movie. movie. I I did see it in theaters when it came out. I that glorious summer of 1984 when me and my friends had driver's licenses and we could drive to the movie theater. And I I love this movie from from day one and uh, 
I, I'm glad it has continued to find uh, an ever-widening, albeit cult, following. Yes. Yeah. I, I also saw it in the movies. It was my first year, first week of college. And, you know, none of us really knew each other that well in the suite at that point. It only been together for like two or three days. And he was like, what should we do? And it was like, I don't even think classes had started yet. And I was like, we should go to the movies. <laughs> and, uh, well, what's playing? Oh, this movie Buckaroo Banzai. We should go see that. It's going to be, it sounds awesome. And we went and like half of us loved it. And then the other half just were completely flummoxed. And I knew who were going to be my friends for the next four years and who I never needed to talk to again. I keep meaning I live, I live just a couple miles from the Sepulveda Dam oh, yeah. uh, where they filmed the, the famous end credit scene. And I have always meant to go and jump the fence and have my uh, iPod and listen to the theme music and, and yeah. march around in that, uh, in that That's area. Best end title sequence of all time. Awesome. It's like, it's like a Marvel movie before there were Marvel movies. It's totally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so great. And then, you know, and then the audacity to advertise, you know, and Buckaroo Banzai will return and Buckaroo Banzai versus the World Crime League, which of course we parried in Free Enterprise. And we had William right. Shatner will return in William Shatner versus the World Crime League, which <laughs> I really wish we had gotten to make. I <laughs> um, that's really funny. So, um, so that's great Tuesday. pick. Great pick. And that brings us to Wednesday and the, the, the cult movie Maven, the master of cults. The, yeah. the, uh, the Thulsa Doom of Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's, a, there's a lot of pressure on me, boys. Um, I'm not going to lie. And I, uh, I thought about a, you know, a lot of possibilities for this week. So, I mean, it's a very complicated case. I mean, there's a lot of ins and outs for the Duder. And no, I didn't pick that because A, I I think that uh, that's already been picked and not in the first season, certainly not in Alien Invasion Week. Um, and secondly, like, yes, I think it's... Jackie movie, Treehorn just, Week. We, we picked it for Jackie <laughs> Treehorn Week. Uh, we picked it for Kenny Rogers uh, Week. It's uh, along with your, the gambler. Your choice and, is log jamming. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there no, a problem I, with Dinah Cobble? <laughs> <laughs> At least the Nazis have an ethos. Um, yeah, no, I, uh, I I'm going for something a little bit different. You know, um, really, the, the first two, yeah, I mean, I have to. It's kind of my job. But you know, the the first two movies this week are great. Uh, I I love them both. Um, they definitely fit into that quirky, weird space that we go. Oh yeah, cult movie. That's that. But the the movie that I'm picking, um, I think, fits into a slightly different category of of cult movie. Um, it's a, it's a movie that when it came out, um, I, I don't think critics really knew what to, what to make of it. Um, and there were a lot of things about the, the release that I think, uh, impacted on that reception initially, I think even among fans, um, it's a, it's a movie that had a an extremely foreshortened editing period because, uh, the studio Paramount decided that they uh, they wanted to move its release up because they had a rather large release coming that year that was going to miss its date. Um, it went from like 130 minutes down to like 90 minutes to 100 minutes. Uh, it, lost a, it lost a lot of material, um, but it had a, a terrific cast. And it was the second film from a director who came on the scene with a, a movie that surprised everyone almost through the virtue of the fact that that his first movie like 
didn't suck, given the material that it was based on. Um, he went on to direct a lot of movies that did suck. Uh, and uh, he is often confused, but not really, with a, or could be confused with a director who vaguely shares his name. Um, I am referring to uh, Paul W.S. Anderson's 1997 uh, horror thriller, horror science fiction thriller, Event Horizon. This morning, TDRS picked up an automated navigation beacon broadcasting at two-minute intervals in Neptune orbit. Neptune orbit. This is incredible. It's the event horizon. She's come back. The event horizon was the culmination of a secret government project to create a spacecraft capable of faster-than-light flight. The ship doesn't really go faster than light. What it does is it creates a dimensional gateway that allows it to jump instantaneously from one point of the universe to another light years away. Where has she been for the last seven years, Doctor? That's what we're here to find out. After seven years in deep space... There were 18 people on board this ship when it disappeared. I want them all accounted for. Opening outer door. It came back abandoned. Any crew? Negative. This place is a tomb. But it didn't come back alone. Captain Miller! I've got some problems here! This ship has been beyond the boundaries of our universe. Who knows where it's been and what it's brought back with it. This ship is reacting to us and the reactions are getting stronger. What are you telling me? That this ship is alive? I have such wonderful things to show you. Oh my god! It knows my secrets. <laughs> it knows my fears. Vacate, I want off this ship. I can't leave. She won't let you. With Lawrence Fishburne, uh, Sam Neill, Kathleen Quinlan, Jolie Richardson, uh, and my buddy Richard T. Jones from Terminator, the Sarah Connor Chronicles. And the uh, the premise of this movie is pretty cool. Uh, it's a little bit what you know uh, the the unholy offspring of Black Hole and uh, Hellraiser. If you can imagine that, it's um, you know a, a rescue ship is basically deployed to uh, to 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 bring in. Um, a, a test ship that had been working with faster than light travel and had gone through a whole warp system and it had come back. It had appeared like in the, in the solar system in orbit of Neptune, just out of nowhere. They thought it had been lost. They deploy the, the rescue ship. The rescue ship goes aboard, um, finds like it's an abattoir and what happened. And as they're exploring the ship to figure out what happened, they realize that, uh, that, that traveling faster than light, that traveling through warp um, takes us to places that perhaps we don't want to go. Uh, the, the imagery in this film is, is, is startling, shocking, even today. Um, you know, the, the effects are actually, they hold up 
quite nicely, even after all of this time. Um, the, the bulk of the material that was cut uh, from that uh, original version that Paul W.S. Anderson put together was actually a lot of things that freaked out Paramount, uh, like blood orgies. Um, and all kinds of things that we saw that uh, were suggesting that the trip through warp space was uh, a trip through hell. Um, but what was left that's really interesting is a movie that is um, that's quite Lovecraftian in the sense that it, uh, it, it turns on what we think we see versus what we do see that we can't quite get into the heads of the, of the people that, that we're experiencing this, uh, this movie uh, through. Um, it had its fans on its release, but again, it had its detractors because again, nobody knew what to make of it. Um, the movie that it was, it was moved up uh, in the schedule to protect was Titanic. Uh, another movie about a ship full of dead people. <laughs> uh, although that moves a lot slower, um, <laughs> you know, but uh, it's a, uh, it's, it's a very dark um, edgy, little movie. I'd say it's it's really more horror than it is science fiction. It holds up quite nicely. I think over time, um, people kind of came to see it and appreciate it for what it is. There was some movement to, uh, to kind of go back and kind of find all those deleted scenes, but the reality is all that footage has probably been lost. Um, it was just a movie that was made at the, at the wrong time for doing something like that. But there's a very passionate fan base for this film inside of the, the horror community. Um, people who've really embraced it and extol its virtues, including Adam Wingard, um, who, you know, everything else notwithstanding is, is quite an effective horror director. Adam Wingard is, uh, at least the last I checked, was, was working on a, a television adaptation of Event Horizon. Um, but again, Larry Fishburne is great. Sam Neill is great. The whole cast is great. Um, and it just, it relentlessly commits to its tone and it's creepy as hell. And if you're into horror, if you're into science fiction horror, um, then uh, it's definitely worth a watch. Uh -huh. I'm glad you picked a horror movie um, because horror movies, there are a lot of cult movies that are horror movies and definitely want to see that genre represented. This movie in particular was one I've been wanting to revisit. I saw it uh, opening weekend and I didn't really connect with it. I It was probably the wrong movie at the wrong time for me, although I do agree it was creepy as hell and the production design was crazy. It seemed mm -hmm. way over the top for me. <laughs> I Not was in a, a great more realist movie. No. <laughs> or one I, with your mom. But no. there, yeah, <laughs> there was there was some uh, some striking stuff in the movie, so I've never been able to get it out of the back of my mind, which is why I've really been wanting to revisit it. Wasn't Supernova the same time? Which is it a was, similar yeah, movie. It was, it was a couple years later. Uh, they also had a lot of problems in the in the cutting room, and they had oh, a, yeah. they replaced a director, and it was a Twice. whole that was a Twice. Yeah, yeah. that movie, however, does not hold up because I went back and watched that too. No, no but it, it, it's like, terrible. Fact, I, it would have I worked have, on it, yeah. and it's terrible. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and when I say it does not hold up, it, I mean that it like it kind of never like had it was never standing. <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, but Event Horizon is a different story. It's yeah, very yeah I story. I um. I, you know, I worked with Paul on um, DOA together, and I really like Paul. He's a lovely guy, and he's done some really terrific movies, and, you know, some not terrific movies. But Event Horizon, like you said, it was really a victim of 
uh, Paramount, uh, you know, not it was the wrong studio to be making that movie for because there's mm-hmm. a lot about Event Horizon that's that's really great and inspired and uh, it, you know interesting, compelling, and yeah, I, it's really fascinating. That is a movie that I think has gone through a lot of critical revisionism. It was pretty much he was kind of the Zack Snyder of the time, Paul, back then when he was making making that series of movies, Mortal Kombat, Event Horizon, and everything, and so he had a sort of small, you know, um, but vocal um, uh, fan base that loved him as a visual stylist, but, you know, critic, not much critical acclaim, um, you know, not much huge, you know, huge success. And then, you know, um, I think you talk to horror fans now, the Fangoria crowd, and they really revere Event Horizon. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's it's a really great, I think, a really great pick. And it's certainly... Um, I think Shout Factory put it out uh, recently, or uh, I, again, and I, I really need to revisit that movie. It's been a long time since I've seen it, and listening to you talk about it makes me want to uh, look at it again. Yeah, look in particular, like just at some of the design choices. I mean, some of some are, are are very subtle, some are not so subtle, but it's things just the shape of the uh, of the event horizon itself, right, which is laid out like a cathedral. Um, some of the the interior. Um, design elements kind of evoke that idea, a very gothic feel, but in a way that still feels technological. Um, there are, there's a lot of imagery in there that feels very Bosch. Uh, and it's just, it, it's, it's just, you know, Paul Abbas Anderson was just, he was trying to scare the shit out of himself, honestly, I, I think. And, um, and, and really, I don't know. I think he was, he was trying um, to do something that that we haven't seen a, a whole lot of, and and certainly it's difficult for me to name like um, movies that quite fit into that that genre, um, that sort of cosmic horror that happens to be science fiction that work. But to be Paul fair, loves the genre. To be fair, it's also about eight point two on the pretentious scale. <laughs> well, sure. But I mean, so are like half the movies that we love. <laughs> but yeah. Not often. Well, that's a, I think that's often a mark of the, uh, I, I mentioned earlier, you know, the big swing and the big miss. You know, a filmmaker mm-hmm. with a big vision, unabashedly making something that they think is going to be really great. And you can, and that kind of comes through that, that crazy passion Absolutely. comes through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it does. So sometimes it just doesn't, just doesn't work. Yeah. But, because it's mm-hmm. great. Is a great example of that is a movie I think we all love that is clearly a big swing and a miss. And yet there's so much, and then maybe this is a pick for Friday, but I think we might've picked it before, Steve. You'll have to tell us. It was David Lynch's Dune. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, I forgot to tell you. Uh, that's my pick for Thursday. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, actually, uh, you know, um, you had picked uh, uh, a Bucker Bonsai, which was going to be my pick, which wouldn't have been eligible anyway. But uh, and had I picked it, nobody would have let me pick it. So um, yes, we would have. No, I have. I have. I have. I have a different pick. But have we picked Dune? Because I think Dune would be a great pick we this week. I yeah, I think we have too. I think, well, I think it might have been in uh, guilty <laughs> guilty pleasures no, or in the shadow of Star Wars. We or have not picked Dune. Okay, Whoa. well let. Well, let, 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 let's 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 put that aside because okay. I think that's that would be a great Friday pick, perhaps. Perhaps we'll, we can discuss it. There are perhaps. other picks, but I'm I'm going to go with the, the my backup for Buckaroo Bonsai, which is um, 
you know, uh, as you guys know, I'm, I've been working on this documentary about 1982. So I've been revisiting a lot of movies from that year. Um, and um, a film that I haven't really watched since the heyday of the home video era. I, I, I used to really love this movie and I even got the Criterion Blu-ray, but hadn't watched it until recently um, is Paul Bartel's Eating Raul. Meet Paul and Mary Bland. Now you two live in the building. You must swing, right? Wrong. Good night. We're so lucky we found each other. A typical American couple. I know. Good night, dear. Sweet dreams. With a typical American dream. And typical American problems. You are through at Clay Liquor. Mr. Leach, I'm sure the bank has nothing to worry about. It's going to get everything that's coming to it. The bank wants to see what it's getting oh, into. With the Blands, life was just a rat race. A cartoon mouse. Oh, great. Trigger likes you already. <laughs> we like B&D, but we don't like S&M. We met at the A&P. But they found a way to beat it. Until... Mr. Raul Mendoza, como esta usted? They met a hot-blooded, emotional, crazy Chicano. I'm a hot-blooded, emotional, crazy Chicano. Eating Raul. Is it a thriller? Is it a romance? This was very wrong. Is it a tragedy? Excuse me. May I sit down? Yeah. Is it a comedy? Yes but not the type of you're used to. Eating Raul, rated R. Mm. Um, and uh, it, it is really, um, it, it's a very interesting film because it, it kind of has this sort of 50s Douglas Sirk kind of sensibility, but it's about, you know, this very kind of normal, quote unquote, uh, played by Paul Bartel and Mary Warnoff, who um, want to start a restaurant, but the world around them is so depraved that everything is working against them. And down the hallway, there are a bunch of swingers and uh, um, they just, they can't get a break un until uh, they find themselves sort of allied with um, <laughs> Robert Beltran, of all people, as the titular Raul, and end up uh, basically, you know, using all these, starting killing all these people and using them as the, uh, uh, you know, cannibalism, using them to create these, these beautiful meals. And it's so bizarre, but yet, it, you know, it's in bad taste, but it's in good taste. And it's kind of beautifully shot and very funny and um, really bizarre. And it was kind of like exactly the sweet spot for what I consider an 80s cult movie. Um, and it was very popular for a while. Now it's sort of fallen off the radar. Like I said, Criterion did a nice version of it a couple of years ago. But for a long time, I think because of distribution and everything else, you couldn't really get your hands on Eating Roll. Um, it was something that I think during the heyday of HBO, it was it was on a lot. It was a um, big favorite of the critics set. Absolutely. It was, yeah, it was, a, yeah. And yet, you know, it, it, it's, it's interesting because it, it's sort of one of those films that has not kind of endured and mm -hmm. like I said, I revisited recently. It's also on HBO Max right now. And um, and it's really just a smart, clever, low-budget movie um, that's, that's really funny and has a very distinctive sense of humor and, uh, you know, with, with a really, you know, solid cast and, you know, a lot more life to Robert Beltran than Chakotay. And, uh, um, and I, you know, I really, uh, I really, I really dug it.
And, you know, and it's funny because Rob Beltran is also in uh, the film my wife suggested. I remember before he started the podcast, I, said, I don't know what I'm picked for cult movie week. She said, you should go with Night of the Comet. And I'm like, that's oh, a that's a really, idea. that's a really good pick. Maybe I will. And, um, and I was thinking about it and, and, and that made me think, oh, Rob Beltran eating Raul. So um, my pick's eating Raul, but I could have very easily gone with Night of the Comet also, which was a great pick uh, from Naomi. Now, are you sure you don't want to save it for Cannibal Week? Right. No, I don't think we'll be doing Cannibal Week anytime soon. Uh, okay. Alive, what? Alive, right. um, Cannibal Raul, Holocaust, Cannibal Holocaust. Oh, what's yes. that one, uh, Darren? You, you, uh, you always Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, yeah. I guess There's you could say that, that. That I remember Darren highly recommending that had cannibalism was part of it. Oh, what was that movie? His wife and her lover, which I hate, by the way. Oh but, yeah, yeah, La Grande Bouffe. No, but that was his. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Excuse me. Not on the first but, date. But remember. Remember what was that movie in home video in the eighties that you know everyone said, Oh, they really these are real people being killed. Oh and, uh, yeah. the fa- faces and, and, of death. And, faces of death, one, two, and three. No, but that was animals being killed and stuff. There was a movie like where supposedly yeah. they went to an island and they killed the Holocaust. Yeah. No, there was another yeah, but it wasn't movie. the eighties, it was the seventies. There was a but there was a movie that came out that everybody was saying, Oh no, this is really people being killed, but it clearly wasn't. And it was like an H.G. Lewis type of thing, but it wasn't H.G. Lewis. I don't know. Anyway, that, that to me is what cult movies are all I about. I think it's you Faces know? of Death, because that wasn't just animals. Oh, it wasn't? It was, it, was, it, was, it was not just animals. I mean, that was definitely super culty. Yeah. Um, but there was another thing. I'm trying to remember so what it was. So culty and so awful. Not even I can't I remember recommend it. Faces right. of Death. No, no, it's terrible. It's oh, terrible. we we rented a V VA- eight when I was in college. Somebody rented a VHS machine and Faces of Death, and we watched it in the student lounge, yeah. and it it made me sick to watch. Yeah, no, no, it was awful. No, I mean, it it was ugh. Faces of Death week next. I, I, I thought Ashley should die week. I thought Ashley was going to pick oh, Te- Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> you know what? There is a Bone there is a non zero chance that I might have picked Caligula. Um, but, uh, but I, I didn't. And by the way, no, that's not the one I thought that Rob would pick if he were here on the spot. Oh yeah. What? Tell, tell us, what, what do you think Rob would have picked? Uh, it's honestly, there was a, I nearly said, screw it and picked it myself. Uh, Paul Verhoeven's Showgirls. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that movie yeah, has become yeah. a huge like midnight Absolutely. draw, like with like. Absolutely. But it's like something that it's not because it's people went oh critical reappraisal. It's like no no no. no. It's just that it's it <laughs> oh, it's it was so bad it invited audience participation. Fully yeah. acknowledged as crap. That's yeah, whereas <laughs> whereas so many of his movies are actually great, like The yeah. Fourth Man and Spenners mm-hmm. and all his Dutch work is so great. Now he has a film at Cannes that's getting a lot of controversy, which I want to see. I never saw Black Book, which I have to see. Um, but, you know, and then, and then, you know, Flesh and Blood would have been a great pick, mm-hmm. you know, uh, which uh, which was a terrific movie that Verhoeven made with Jennifer Jason Lee and Rucker Hauer that a lot of people haven't seen. It was his first American film um, and it barely got released, but it was enough to get him RoboCop. But it's not a good I like it. I'm not their only uh, collaboration. It's perfectly fine to like it, and I'm sure it's great. You don't consider it a cult cult film? film. No. Oh, I do. I think it has a following. People people don't quote it. People don't walk around talking about it. They don't. Okay. Well, then let's talk Friday, because you know what people do quote? You know know what people do quote? The 430 movie. No, no. they quote. They, They quote, you know what? The Glenn Gary leads. 
<laughs> you want to win? We want to win a set of steak knives. And it's so funny because this is a movie when it came out, did no business, none, nothing, nada. And over the years, even with, with this incredible cast directed by James Foley, it's gone on to be one of the most quoted movies. And they're not quoting the play. They're no. quoting the movie because, of course, the, the great uh, virtuoso sequence with Alec Baldwin isn't even in the play. Right. It was written mm-hmm. for the movie. And, um, and, and that amazing cast with Al Pacino and Jack Lemmon and Kevin Spacey. And um, uh, um, who else is in that? Because Alan Arkin and... Mm-hmm. Uh, um, Ed Harris. I mean, what an amazing cast. And what sign a- on the line that is dotted. <laughs> <laughs> you want to see second so- prize? Second prize instead of steak. Instead of steak that Coffees for closers. <laughs> I mean, have you, uh, what movie has somebody like Alec Baldwin come in for literally five, ten minutes, disappear, and he's more associated with that movie than virtually any other movie, and he's in it for like five minutes. And it became the basis of one of the most... Uh, Beloved Saturday Night Live parodies of all time when they revisited mm-hmm. it in Santa's workshop. Right. Oh, so <laughs> yeah. funny. So good. So fun. That's right up there with the uh, We Need More Cowbell. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah that's I am shocked. I'm like you. I, I, I am pull shocked. my pants on one uh, leg at a time. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I am shocked that Ashley Miller did not pick Repo Man. You know what? Almost. Almost. I thought for um, sure that was going to be an Ashley Miller pick for Wednesday. Yeah, the the only reason I didn't was because, uh, well, uh, Showgirls was a contender, but also I felt like something like Event Horizon needed a stand-in for like those mm. horror movies that kind of, yeah. you go, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. You know what I almost picked? But, but I couldn't find a copy of it to watch. Um, and it's been so long that I really couldn't talk about it with any kind of articulateness. Catherine Bigelow's Strange Days. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's uh yeah terrific. I, I I know we've talked about it before mm-hmm. on oh, yeah. here. I don't know if we've ever picked it for anything. I'm no, we have not. Have you ever jacked in? <laughs> uh, you know, well, have be, you punk? There's a. I mentioned this movie earlier, and I'm going to plug it now. It's called Midnight Movies from the Margin to the Mainstream, and it's this documentary about several famous midnight cult movies and they in the movie they they talk about El Topo mm-hmm. essentially like the first midnight movie right. uh Night of the Living Dead mm-hmm. uh uh Pink Flamingos we haven't even gotten into John Waters there's right. a huge yeah. cult around all the deal you know, Pink Flamingos Female Trouble uh Crybaby uh you know uh Serial I'm Mom I'm a huge John Waters fan I got to be honest It's a little I'm a huge John Waters fan yeah yeah. I know a lot uh, of people who are. I don't begrudge them, but I just I'm not personally yeah. a huge John Waters fan. And and you mentioned Dune. David Lynch has Eraserhead, yeah. which is a huge yeah. uh, cult. There's a cult around Eraser. I mean, David Lynch is a Blue cult Velvet. in and of himself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, and then you've got stuff, you know, like uh, we've picked before Heather's and Big Trouble in Little China, Monty Python, Spinal Tap, but. So a lot of these horror films. I'm not sure if I consider them cult movies or not, but I guess I would. Something like They Live. Mm-hmm. Or uh, for sure, Reanimator. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, for sure. Toxic Avenger. No, Evil Reanimator. Reanimator is a good pick, actually. Yeah, Reanimator is. is a good pick. I hadn't thought of that. I, I would consider. Also, Blowout is a great horror movie. Yeah. That's a great cult movie. Uh, the, Phantom the of the Paradise. Mm-hmm. Uh, Terry Gilliam film or something like Brazil. I would consider a you cult picked movie. that. I know no, it's you picked Brazil. It's been picked. What about uh, matinee, Joe Dante's film with John Goodman? 
I think it would be a cult film if anyone actually watched it again. Yeah. I, I watched it last year. Uh, I bought the blue bought the Blu-ray. And yeah, it didn't yeah. hold up as well as I hoped it would. Now, if you'd have said Mant. Mant. Mant holds up. Mant is a cult film. Mant's a cult, cult film. Probably not know, that night. And the, the movie I was referring to at the top of the show, that's probably the most recent example of a big cult film, is uh, The Room. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Which sure. had a huge cult yeah. grow around it, especially based here in L.A. with Tommy right. Wiseau showing up at the screenings. Not and, New York. Yeah. And, and now, no, you know, no, guys, that's true. <laughs> Rocky Horror, New York, The Room, L.A. No question about it. Hey, <laughs> Mark. What Wiseau, hey Mark, uh, uh, Wiseau, you know, of course, trying to rewrite history and saying he always intended to make yeah. a cheesy, silly movie. Like, no, you can tell that he was had his whole heart and soul into this thing. That's and what's so great about hor- it. Yeah, that's what makes it mm-hmm. great. You, I don't think you can make, you can set out to make a cult movie. I mean, you can no. set out to be a filmmaker and have a vision. Right. And it might be such an obscure vision that only a handful of people respond to it and it right. becomes a cult. But I don't Nobody think wants to make a cult movie. No, you know, Speaking you, of, you you revel in it later, but you set yeah. out to make a successful movie. Yeah. Speaking of one yeah. of the earliest purveyors of cult movies, Plan Nine from Outer Space. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's you know, that's one of the first ones that I can ever remember that people would go to, uh, you know, midnight showings of. And they say for apparently no reason. They steered into it. It was this whole like sort of performative. It's I'm going to see the worst movie ever made, yeah. and then Santa oh, Claus God. versus the Martians. But well, I would I would rather go with Ed Wood than I would go with uh, because Plan Nine's terrible. But Ed Wood of is brilliant. Of course it is. Yeah, but yeah. Ed Wood is not a cult movie. Ed Ed Wood was think? very popular. It, was a great it didn't movie. make any yeah. money. It, it did made win an Oscar. Oscar. Certainly on home video. It won an Oscar. It won an Oscar. Yeah. Okay. What a, what about Michael Anderson's Logan's Run? Not not a cult movie, because it you don't it, think it opened big. Yeah, it was a big release. That was a it's big just, Hollywood picture. Okay, I got one. Like they make yeah. Donnie Darko. Yeah, that's true. People, mm-hmm. I I I don't particularly. I only saw it once, and it didn't connect with me. But people love that movie. Yeah, There's me a neither. Huge huge uh, group of Donnie Darko fans. I have nothing to say about that. Well, clerks, <laughs> clerks, clerks, Kevin yeah. uh, Kevin Smiths. Yeah, uh, another Michael Judge, uh, Mike Judge movie, uh, Idiocracy. Oh my yeah. God, yes. Fuck you, I'm eating. <laughs> uh, Weird Al Yankovic's uh, UHF, right? Uh, supplies. Yeah. <laughs> you made the now finally a week where Ashley's seen everything. It's amazing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, maybe Jim Henson's Labyrinth. Hmm. There's uh, wasn't particularly successful when it came out, but there are there's a hardcore cult around that movie. I yeah, I, I know that I doesn't agree. make it good. Oh, what they, they do that costume. The power. <laughs> they do that what costume power? ball every year uh, yeah. in downtown LA, where everyone dresses up as characters from the movie. It's as Muppets. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, you know, David Bowie's you know, codpiece. I don't know. You mm. know, it's funny when you first started talking about. Uh, uh, um, where the world is being real and, and stuff. Uh, there's another movie that is really obscure from 1983, Michael Lachlan's Strange Invaders. Mm-hmm. Did you guys, any of you guys see that? Mm-hmm. That's a really cool little cult movie. Yeah. You know, I thought with, you were uh, going to, for some reason, I thought you were going to pick Invaders from Mars. <laughs> like, right. The original, not the Toby the Hooper version. <laughs> not the Toby Hooper version. <laughs> <laughs> 
the William Menzies movie. I, I don't know, Mark. I, I feel like there's a strong case to be made for the, the movie you opened the show with. Uh, I mean, Rocky Horror Picture Show. I mean, we, I, I we've agree. never picked that. And I'm curious, has, has, has everyone here seen it, like, at the Midnight mm-hmm. Show? Uh-huh. No, nope. I've never no. seen it. I've Mr. Never seen Mr. It. New York hasn't seen it. I've never seen it. <laughs> Not even in L.A.? Wait, no. I've never seen it. Never seen it. I saw it One twice. of my great regrets was not seeing it in the 80s with a bunch of my friends from high school. Yeah, I saw it in high school twice. Uh, in Colorado Springs, we drove down. And at one time, I drove down with my high school math teacher, who was this, uh, he drove us down in his, like, 50s, you know, this vintage car. We went and saw it with him. But we did the whole nine. You know, he brought the toast and the rice and the squirt guns. And you're quoting the, you know. I like the songs. I yeah. like Tim Curry, Barry Boswick. I always meant to. I always meant to zip down to the New Art one midnight to see the New Art version because it was playing there every every Saturday or every Friday and Saturday for years. Used to love Susan Sarandon, but she's done more damage to the Democratic Party than can't can't can't, <laughs> can't, can't love her anymore. But, um, well, but I will Bostwick, tell you, Barry Boswick has done more to uh, damage uh, moviegoers after Megaforce. Then no, Mega, yeah. Mega Force is a great cult movie. No, for fans of Princess exactly. Kambada, it is not. It yeah, is, it's not words. No, you know what? Hey, hey, the good guys always win, even in the eighties. Come on, come on! No good I've never seen Mega Force. Oh I've, my God, I've never fun. seen Mega Force. Really? Oh no, I remember I, the comic book I, ads. I remember, like for like a year. I'm not going to tell you it's great, but I'm going to tell you it's a movie. No, I want. Yeah, and I just remember seeing it on like the back page of a com- of my comic books. Like for like six months, it was like the back page of every Marvel comic book. It makes those I flying want- motorcycles from Galactica nineteen eighty look great. Yeah, I want to make a case for Dune. You know, I agree. Uh, before before the pandemic, uh, I found this absolutely fascinating. I was doing some stuff with the Cinematheque, and they did a screening of Dune. It sold out in about five minutes. There's a whole generation that loves and is obsessed by Dune. A beginning is a very delicate time. Know then that it is the year 10,191. In this time, the most precious substance in the universe is the spice melange. The spice extends life. The spice exists on only one planet in the entire universe. The planet is Arrakis, also known as Dune. You are about to enter a world where the unexpected... Many dangers exist on Arrakis. The unknown an incredible secret has been kept on this planet. And the unbelievable meet. I see two great houses. Where kingdoms are built on Earth that moves. We have worm sign the likes of which even God has never seen. And skies are filled with fire. The prophecy which will cleanse the universe and bring us out of darkness. Where a young warrior is called upon to free his people. A world that holds creation's greatest treasure. He who controls the spice controls the universe. And greatest terrors. 
A world where the mighty... This is genocide. The deliberate and systematic destruction of all life on Arrakis. The man. <laughs> I will kill him! I will love you forever. And the magical... Father, the sleeper has awakened! ...will have their final battle. Show the slightest pity or mercy! Emperor, we come for you! Doom, a spectacular journey through the wonders of space and the mysteries of time. From the boundaries of the incredible to the borders of the impossible. Now, Frank Herbert's widely read talked about and cherished masterpiece comes to the screen Dino De Laurentiis presents Dune a world beyond your experience beyond your imagination um it's a movie that I really liked when I saw it despite the fact that all the reviews and everyone else hated it uh, I liked it then I like it now um I think that, you know, uh, the whole uh, story of Dune, you know, the fact that Universal, you know, put out the um, the extended version unapproved by David Lynch, just such a great sort of urban mythology to to it. And the fact it that Lynch kind of it disowns it. It introduced millions to the name Alan Smithy. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, what a great cast a it has. And, His name um, is a killing word. <laughs> And how many times have we quoted that movie? Remember the tooth. Oh, I forgot to tell you. I always um, quote it. It's great. You know, That's right. it, well, I'll tell you if it, 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 Dune is the reason I got a hug from Stephen Colbert. Right. I was, uh, I was in the audience for the uh, taping of the Colbert Report, and Stephen was doing the warm up and made a Dune joke. And I was the only one in that studio audience that laughed. And he turned around, and we locked eyes, and I gave him the double finger pistols. And he came running up into the audience and swept me up into a big embrace. <laughs> a, my Col people. a Colbert hug? A Colbert hug. Uh, and meanwhile, <laughs> my, my wife, who has a huge crush on him, was sitting right next to me, completely confused as to what was happening. Because right. it's kind of a joke in our household. And she hates Dune and has never watched all of it. And like, well, what? that's why I got a hug from Stephen Colbert. What was that's the right? Dune joke? Uh, somebody somebody asked a uh, asked a question like, "How do your children react to your you know your name, the power of the Colbert name?" And Stephen smiled and he said, "What is my name? A killing word? Like Wadib?" <laughs> <laughs> I threw back my head, laughing, and uh, wow! And the rest, I, and I realized one of those. I realized I like realized you're the I'm only the one, one guy. Laughing. But then Stephen turned back around and like his I just lit up <laughs> with delight. The spicy life. I I love that movie. I mean, I would strongly advocate for it because I think, look, I mean, there's a good argument to make for Rocky Horror, although my counter argument for it is that it's a movie that you don't go, you know what I'm going to do tonight? I'm going to sit by myself and yeah. fucking watch the Rocky Horror Picture Show, right, on video. And I think also there's a certain thing like where where Dune just is a is a movie that we all love so much. It's like a it's a cult movie for us. 
Right. It kind of represents us and our, our weird sort of Venn diagram of, of tastes. And uh, I, I don't know. It feels like a perfect this podcast cult movie Friday. Oh, That's I, why I, I've never... I saw I it two did. or three times in the theater on its yeah. initial release, mm-hmm. and, and I hadn't read the novels, and I I, I understood mm-hmm. it. Yeah. So I, I couldn't understand like all these people say, "Oh, it's so confusing." We're like, no, it's, it's not. At all. It's not confusing. Just, just to people who don't pay attention in movie theaters. I had the right. same experience. I didn't need the little glossary of terms yeah. they gave out. I never read the book at that point, yeah. and I loved it, and I understood it, and didn't find. And it's just going, you were like, you'll never understand what's going on. It's beautiful to look at, but no, I understood exactly yeah. what was going on. It's every sci-fi trope imaginable. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. and um, I will say what you said, Ashley, about um, Rocky Horror is true. Uh, the, one of the reasons I've never watched it is because I have no interest in watching the movie outside the experience of Rocky Horror. Yeah, that's, so, like, that's, actually that's sit exactly down right. and watch the movie. It's like, I want to go yeah. one day, hopefully, you know, when it's at a theater and can experience the whole thing. I kind of miss the window. Um, yep. But, so, uh, so maybe our solution is we pick Dune for Friday, and then we say, everyone, on Saturday night, go see the midnight see, show of yeah, Rocky Horror. I love yeah. that. I, I love that. <laughs> I love that. Or we say Dune Friday night, Friday, you know, Friday on the 4.30 movie, and then at midnight, it's Rocky Horror. There you well, go. the problem is, if you pick Dune for Friday night, it has to go into Saturday morning. <laughs> ah, so, that's, yeah, true. that's true. <laughs> Saturday morning the following week. Yes. Uh, <laughs> that's right. And you can, you know, you can bring your spice and throw it at the screen on Rocky I said Horror. you were dead. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, you know, Patrick Stewart is, you know, Imagine Man. how much cooler the next generation would have been if he'd kept that pug. Yeah, it's and funny. I did a movie once with Jurgen Prock now, and I, you know, did we talk about Das Boat? No, we talked about Dune the whole time. Right. Of course, talk about Dune. The Duke will die before these eyes, and he'll know. Yeah. He'll know. It was I, Baron Vladimir Harkonnen. Harkonnen. Who, who encompasses this doom? doom. Spit, spit, spit. Yeah. Thank you for joining me, Paul. <laughs> We <laughs> <laughs> have just folded space from X. Many machines on X. Yes. New machines. Yes. Put your hand. In, put your hand in the box. What is inside the box? The box? Pain. <laughs> Horrible pain. Everyone hides a secret pain. Oh, wrong. Wrong cult movie. Yeah. Everyone. Yeah. <laughs> I will kill um, him. Oh, Come on, Sting! How could sting you not in a pick little this movie? bikini fade? Is a speed a Sting in a speedo? Lovely fade. I see the truth in it. <laughs> see, we could quote this movie yeah. for the next we hour. Do, I know. Let's. We'll just. We'll start with Virginia Madsen's narration and just yeah. work our way through. <laughs> and know right. then that it is the year one thousand ten thousand one ninety one. Yes. <laughs> oh my! All right, oh, well, that's a, a hell planet of a week. known as Dune. Uh, and then, come it's, on, and and how great is the score from Toto? Great. Who would it's think amazing. the score from Toto would be yeah. amazing? Now, it's apparently, amazing. the the lead singer of Toto, I guess, is John Williams' son. So the, there's all kinds of theories that John Williams had something to yeah, do with no, that he score. Did not. He but did not. Uh, but it's such a great score. It's great. It is. It's uh, uh, it's got a very particular dun, sound. Dun, dun. It's, it's yeah. unlike it. It's as if it's as if um, uh, Tangerine Dream had written something really cool. Oh, stop it! <laughs> stop oh, it. Yeah. Yeah. it's actually 
I'll tell you all the ways that it's not like Tangerine Dream. It's, uh, I mean, there's certainly there's sense in it, but the thing that's like very particular about that about that score is the way that it uses piano, mm-hmm. uh, and it's just it's very different. Like it's a it's very prominent um, yeah. in the score in a really interesting way. I mean, there's a the the instrumentation is just very very different, but at the same time they kind of bring in the the sense um, as a as a support. Um, yeah. It's just, it's, it's incredibly. The, the integration like, between the synths and orchestra is really good. And it's a nice little yeah. electric guitar in there too. Yeah. 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 And how yeah, great are sure. the guild, the guild navigators. They're so cool. <laughs> I mean, you know, one of the things we always say, sorry, Darren, that we like about the black hole is the Cygnus because it's so different than other spaceships. I don't, this kind of I don't mind the Cygnus. Industrial. I like the Cygnus. Yeah. So, so I'm just saying, but I know you don't like when we bring up the black hole, but Dune was great because it had this completely different sci-fi aesthetic yeah. that was so uniquely David Lynch. Designed by the great Tony Masters, who was the production designer on 2001 A Space Odyssey. But the, the mixture of cultures in all the different planets uh, is amazing. Mm-hmm. Totally. Let me just, by the way, the, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say that I'm glad that, you know, there's the story that uh, David Lynch met with George Lucas about directing Return of the Jedi, and, and fa- obviously he didn't. And I feel the world is a better place that David Lynch did not pursue that job or that George didn't pursue David or however it turned out. And, and he went on to make Dune instead. Because right. mm-hmm. he gave us read- because and you can read Ewoks, that story and many the Ewoks more would have been force. eating humans in. David Lynch's which, oh, which sure. would have been amazing. Yes. Um, <laughs> I'll also say about the production design that uh, I think, to me, look, there's been a couple of interpretations of, of Dune on television since then, and um, the you can see in the in the remake that's coming out if we really considered a remake or maybe a, a another attempt. I don't know. The but, new make. But the the new make the um, the visual influence of Lynch's movie is undeniable. Like it's just undeniable. It it feels like it. And I think that it's um it's weirdly for a for a movie that that was such a quote unquote bomb. Like I, I think it's visually quite iconic. Like it's just you don't forget it. And well the trailer about- for the, the Denis Villeneuve Dune looks an awful lot like it looks it oh, looks Lynch. an awful it, it looks a little bit like it, but it's nowhere near as interesting looking. Well, I mean, the funny thing is they said, oh, this isn't a remake of David Lynch's movie. This is a adaptation of the book. But yeah. then you see the trailer and you think, no, no. this is a remake, of, a remake of the movie. Dude, <laughs> yeah. This stuff is playing exactly the same way, but less interesting. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, look, we'll, we'll see when we see the movie. I mean, we'll hopefully, a couple months. I mean, Vill- Villeneuve is a wonderful filmmaker and. Yeah. Um, hopefully the movies can be spectacular, but you know that trailer did it no favors because it really looked like a second-rate David Lynch Dune. Mm-hmm. So, which David okay, Lynch's well, this- Dune is a second-rate David Lynch's Dune, so it's all good. Yeah. Well, th- this was this is another great week of movies, and to remind our listeners of what those movies were, Steve Melching Monday. Make sure you got all your flair pinned on when you watch Mike Judge's Office Space. I don't know what that means. Tuesday, Darren Doctorman. Wherever you go, there you are. The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai Across the Eighth Dimension. Wednesday, it's Ashley Edward Miller. Paul W.S. Anderson, not to be confused with Paul Thomas Anderson's 1997 science fiction horror classic, Event Horizon. 
Thursday, it's Paul Bartels eating Raul. And on Friday, David Lynch's Dune, followed on Saturday by a midnight screening of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. You've seen all kinds of movies, but you've never seen anything like the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Rocky Horror Picture Show is wonderfully weird. I'm your new commander. You now are my friend. They're probably foreigners with ways different than our own. It's fabulously freaky. It's a trip to transsexual Transylvania. The Rocky Horror Picture Show. The story is strange. But tonight is the night that my beautiful creature is destined to be born! The songs are super. is completely crazy. This isn't the Junior Chamber of Commerce, Brad. There's a mad scientist named Frank N. Furter. Come up to the lab and see what's on the slab. And Rocky, his incredible creature. He was in with a bad crowd, but it was one of I imagined. A sinister servant named Riff Raff. I remember doing the time war. And Brad and Janet. My name is Brad Majors. Just a couple of clean-cut kids. This is my fiance, Janet Weiss. Touch it, touch it, touch it, touch me. I wanna be dirty. Eddie. Magenta. When shall we return to Transylvania, huh? Columbia. <laughs> Dr. Scott. Great Scott! So give yourself over to absolute pleasure. Don't See the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Let's do the time warp again next week, guys. <laughs> Just a jump to the left. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. There you go. Do you ever well, do the, the, we did, they used to do the time warp dance in the car on the way down. You'd be like driving along. It's just a jump to the left. They would veer the car to the left and then, and a step to the right. And we go, right, 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 right. Put your hands on your hips and you have to put your hand out the car window onto the door on either side. We don't want to support dangerous driving, Steve. <laughs> I, I, dangerous no. days. I the think this was crust, your. You pump the brakes. <laughs> It's a whole thing. This is your thing. This was not like a common thing that people thing. did. This is a thing that the Melching did. This is a thing of yours. I'm going to make it a thing. <laughs> Write this down, people, and start doing it. No. No, don't do it. The 430 movie does not condone 
Uh, Steve Melching's opinion does not represent those of the other hosts. That's right. <laughs> Drive safely. Okay. Uh, it's get two o'clock in the morning. You're on your way home from the movie. It's fine. Nobody's on the road. <laughs> okay. Uh, we want to thank our um, our listeners, and we want to encourage you to rate us five stars wherever you listen to podcasts. Of course, you can also watch the 430 movie on the Electric Now app. Download that today, the free app, and you can check out our podcast as well as the new Leverage After Show, video-only podcast, Cartoon Bar Room with Steve and Ashley and Inglorious Trexperts with Darren and myself. Uh, also, um, you can uh, um, yeah, you can listen to those, <laughs> watch those on Electric Now. And uh, we want to thank our, our great sound engineer, uh, Bill Ritter, as well as Mark Rivera, who has been doing such a terrific job with the show. And we appreciate it. Mark's our biggest fan. He's really enjoying the show, and we're, we're so glad. It's always good to get that feedback before anybody's heard it. Mark's he's really the first listener. Encouraging. He is. That's he's right. the first listener. He is uh, the Cuisat Satirat. And um, also... Um, we want to thank our producers, Natalie Miscali, as well as our associate producers, Peter Holmstrom and Zach Raggetts. And um, we want to thank you for continuing to support the show. And you can continue to do so on Twitter at uh, the 430 Movie Podcast and Instagram, a 430 Movie Podcast. And of course, on Facebook as well at the 430 Movie. So uh, follow us wherever you are social. And uh, of course, we are delighted to say that we will be back with another all-new episode of the 430 Movie next week. Um, and until then, Eyewitness News starts now.
This show was produced by Dean Devlin and Mark A. Altman and is an Electric Surge Network production.